0: If you have being victimized or exported by this prisoner, please contact DPL customer service at 855
1: All subject matter in the preceding podcast is entirely alleged and not admissible in a court of law. A recklessly minimal effort has been taken to change the names and details of any guilty parties. And just in case you rat right bastards get any ideas, the hosts of this podcast are notorious and well documented liars with no legally admissible credibility. This is Mama C, and you're listening to Notes from the Pin Podcast. Welcome to prison, bitch.
0: Bienvenidos. Welcome, all the intellectual, curious listeners. Wait, did I stumble on that? Shouldn't it be intellectually curious listeners? Uh, Who cares? By now, you all know what's going on. This is Jeremy, the Freddy Schnurts of podcasting. And, of course, you know who I got on the phone with me. Bobby C. in Parnell Correctional Facility. And he's going to, as usual, give us uh, a little bit deeper look of what's going on on the inside. So what's up, Chino? You know, uh, it's another
1: scorcher out here today and, um, came out to, uh, put the old workout on pause so we could, uh, lay down another episode and, uh, kind of, uh, we had one planned out, right? And, uh. I think
0: we're going to do something. We're going to go a little more inside baseball with this one, right? Yeah, I think that's the plan. We were definitely going to uh, lay out a podcast on the different hustles that happen in prison, the different ways to make money for uh, uh inmate. Uh, but it seems like... Which, which, which we'll still do. That's still going to be coming. Oh, yeah, and that's a super interesting uh, avenue to explore. There, there's stuff going on in there I would have never even dreamed of. And... and not, not you know, quite a bit of them are somewhat wholesome, you know, you know making fudge. Oh, yeah, most of them are. Yeah. Most of them are all illegal, though, but before we uh, go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, we'll save that one for when we're doing that one. So what we've, um, what we want to explore today is, uh, you know, kind of, we're kind of need to podcast about our podcast. We kind of want to... Uh, Talk about some of the moralities in prison, and and how we, how we can depict them. You, you see, the the dynamic Bobby and I have set up is, I'm going to drive the ship. Captain Freddy Schnertz is at the helm, and I'm going to steer the direction and try as hard as I can to pull from Bobby all the interesting shit that's going on, all the stuff that fascinates us. I know it fascinates me, so I'm sure it fascinates any of the listeners because we. You know, you genuinely don't know what's going on inside a prison. And here I got on the phone with me a guy that's been um, locked down for seven years, and he's still got five more to go. And if anybody's wondering, Michigan doesn't doesn't let people out early. Whatever your sentence is, that's what you get. What's that called, Bobby? Mandatory minimum. One of three states, I believe, left still in the
1: archaic world of mandatory minimums.
0: Right, but they're – you don't get, what is it, game time? Good time, earned credits, whatever.
1: There's a bunch of different nomenclatures for it. But, yeah, no, no positive reinforcement. Michigan has
0: neutered itself from any positive reinforcement tools for rehabilitation. All right, so there's no real reason for you to be good other than you just don't want to tack on any more time to serve. Yeah, there really, yeah, there really is no reason to be good.
1: Um, any rehabilitation is not only incidental; it's contrary to the way things are designed in here. And so, uh, a lot of the things we'll end up talking about about me being rehabilitated, if you will, are um, they come from personal drive or a personal desire that
0: and that that is accomplished with no assistance along the way from the administration. No, I would say it's I would say it's in lieu of. Yeah. The prison system. It's in spite of them. Without a doubt. Right. So uh, one of the things we've been wrestling with is, um, you you know, if I'm going to pull all the interesting stuff out of Bobby, then the interesting stuff can be, you know, that's a whole spectrum of stuff. But, of course, the first couple episodes, it's easy to talk about violence or uh, homophobia or, you know, it's, there's some things that are just such easy dunks you could go right to the titillating, yep. The titillating aspects, yeah. But then there's also good stuff that happens in there, and and well, let's just let's just be warts uh, and all. Let's just be flat out with it. We've got uh, two different episodes in the can. They haven't they haven't gone up to uh, st. Producer yet, but I've got them, and one is titled. Uh, what is it? Annoyingly positive Bobby C. or annoy- annoyingly positive Bobby. And which is a term? Which is sorry. Which is a
1: term that I've had to come up with um, in the past on Twitter, or on um, notes from the pen when I write, because I'm such a cynical, irreverent asshole by nature that some of these things, these realizations that I've gained and the growth I've made in here, though, is completely true and. Really comes from the heart. Still, that cynical side of me is annoyed by how positive I sound. So that's like a little shot I take at myself. That's why it's called that. It's not brand new, but it's definitely a thing that happens
0: in here. So go ahead, I cut you off. Yeah, no, that's all right. I needed you to. So the um, uh, annoyingly positive Bobby. Uh, he. The reason why we're wrestling with when or should we even put that out is because, you know, if the listeners here for blood and guts. they they might want, they might not be interested in how Bobby meditates and feels good and appreciates what's going, the whole world around him teaches other inmates how to meditate so they can work on their mental health, shares his books, helps people. What was it the the other day you were, Oh, you were sharing a book about meditation uh, to help uh, one of the other inmates that they come to you. They're like, Hey, we're We heard you're the uh, meditation guy. And you know, that reverberates through the the prison, and especially in Candyland or at the Dollhouse, at the level one you're at. Yeah. Uh, but then we also have one in the can uh, that you know kind of compares convicts to inmates, and uh, what's the difference, and what's going on, and you know we wrestle with how do we want to share that one because then it kind of paints Bobby, uh, you know, into a, a darker light where. You know, Bobby doesn't want to be mr tough guy he never he never has been that's not his nature. but in order to survive in prison, it, certain things you know are better than other things, and you know not not letting yourself be a victim is a better thing What do you say, Bobby? Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I kind of just want to point this out. This is kind of interesting. We first did the Annoyingly uh, Positive Organically podcast, right? And then the next day I called called Jeremy, and we both had the same realization. I brought it up first because I'm glad you said it. I kind of thought that. I said, you know, that one, it's a little early, man. Like, I don't want – I know if I was listening, I'd be like, ooh, look at this edgy, like, underground-type podcast. Wait a minute. This asshole's all fucking super positive and telling me to appreciate life from prison? Like, what – you know – what, is he fucking preaching to me now? And you were like, oh, I'm glad you said that. I kind of thought, like, you know, it's a good episode, but we should maybe hold it back. And then, what, three days later, you came uh, um, and were like, oh, that last one you did just kind of, it was on the other side of the fence, right? And it really stuck with me. and made me think. And one of the things that comes along with the warts and all shit is that I I can't speak for every inmate in here. This is about, this is a single portrait of American incarceration told through me, and one of the things that I have to remain true to, even though I'd like to avoid the pre like being uh, pigeonholed as preachy or being prison uh, pigeonholed as a convict who's a little hardened uh, the truth and in, in painting the three the full three dimensional picture is more important to me and so uh, that's kind of it kind of stuck with me and I thought, well holy shit, you know what? I understand where you were coming from about that well you know why why you were reticent and so we're in a struggle of like well what do we do right and so i figured instead of just doing all behind the scenes hashing it out like let's do an episode and try to air out some of this stuff and voice some of the reasons we're having difficulties with that because what do what you do and uh, along with what you're saying about the one of the things that can happen i feel like it's a tough place right because you ask somebody you ask a, a a retired war veteran about when he was in the muck in vietnam or or Afghanistan or whatever, and they get to telling you stories about the action right then you might accidentally get an idea that that's all they're about that their whole life was spent shooting and you know blowing shit up and tactical and then that's not a three dimensional picture, but if that person came back and I don't know, uh, was a born-again Christian, and then you talk to him about that at a church, you would think that that's what's going on, when it's really an amalgamation of both. And so I think that's one of the reasons for our reticence or our hesitation was, right? was like wanting to, how do we do this? How do we go about doing this without without painting a picture that's not exactly accurate? And, and I was thinking, we're just going to put it on you guys, the listeners, and kind of talk to you guys about it. And then hope that the um, some of you will be able to see through, like, some of the more titillating aspects or some of the more positive aspects and find out, like, oh, like, people in prison aren't always two-dimensional. They're three-dimensional, and we're flawed, and we go through struggles, and, you know, and you were kind of just talking about the moral question about what's going on in here, right? And so I float back and forth. You know, I've been making a lot of growth lately, and there's moments— where there's no black prison creates an atmosphere where pacifism is a lovely thing and if you're in an environment where you can practice pacifism you should absolutely god bless you but it's easy to say that in a play in a gated community where there is no violence it's easy not to choose violence right and i don't ever want to have to choose violence i want to state this it's been years since i've been into a fight in here um but there's things like, what do you do if someone steals your shit? Because if you let them get away with it, then everything's up for grabs that you have. But if you go and poke them full of holes for a pair of shoes, now what does that mean about you? How, is, how are those shoes more important? But they, so it's a tough thing that you go through in here where it's like, well, what do I do? Because I wanna remain as peaceful and loving as possible, but this place isn't geared towards that. So that's one of the struggles. And I uh, just rambled through fucking okay, fifteen minutes. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, and to add to that, uh, Bobby Bobby is a, a, a deep thinker uh, and big into philosophy. So, to imagine that he his thoughts on material items are probably about what you think like they're meaningless. They're they're material items. However, he would fight a death match for a pair of his shoes getting swiped. Just because of what that would show to the rest of everybody. Now, Bobby on the outside would likely give the shoes away. So this is a whole morality thing that really, really gets difficult. Yeah, it forces you to put prison forces you to push your beliefs to the test. Right? It, it takes them out of their nice little safe boxes
1: and forces you to use them, and then you see what works and what
0: doesn't work. Uh, I think uh, we forgot to plug the website uh, in the first half of that. Should we uh, maybe – do you want to do that, or you want me to take care of it?
1: Uh, There's a a thing with that, right, that um, with these these little uh, eavesdroppers of the administration, I don't know how many times I want to be pumping that out there for them to get on and go check it out. You know what I mean? Okay.
0: On this side. I think that's fair. People know where to find you, and uh, typically – when we share this type of information, it's from your website, so there you go. And I do want to say this, a lot of the stuff,
1: you know, I've been writing and, and posting on uh, a blog on the website for years, and a lot of these subject matters, if, if you want, there's um, there's a uh, corresponding stuff written about it that may, maybe goes more in depth or was uh, from a while back ago. So if you go on there and surf around, you'll probably be able to find something related to whatever we're talking to, in most cases. So. um See, I think what I was saying was, and me and you have talked about this before, that there are, a part of freedom that maybe you don't realize you have, that I certainly didn't realize I had out there, is that some of the beliefs you hold on to are a privilege, right? Because you're allowed to hold on to them theoretically out there. Which is, I mean, understand, it's not like you should be shamed for it or anything, but there's, there's sometimes there can be an arrogance of an untested theory or belief that you have, right? And then the cool reality or the sobering reality, when you're put in a position to actually practice that shit, right, with multi- multiple layers of consequences and reactionary and all, and all this other stuff, you know, and that's one of the things that one of the struggles of prison, of life in general, although it's not just in here. It happens to you guys out there, too, where the rubber meets the road for some of
0: these things, right? Right, I can see where that is. I mean, that's yeah. Uh, um, s- since I'm in charge of uh, pulling interesting stuff out, uh, it, yeah. And, and since this, honest to God, Bobby and I have have I've never asked him about this. Uh, it's it's never come up. So, but I feel like I'm not going to let you just gloss over. It's been years since you've been in a fight in prison. Um, I, I I'm sure I believe you, uh, but I wanted to ask you this. Do you think that that's like a self fulfilling act? Do you think you know because you're willing, it just doesn't happen anymore? Because I'm what willing? Yeah, and everybody's like, oh, you know, don't don't poke him because uh, I, I shouldn't use the word poke. You know, don't um, uh, fuck with him because he'll he'll you know retaliation is assured. That's definitely a thing right? um that's definitely an aspect of
1: it to answer your question I don't know. I think it's the like most things it's probably a mixture It's probably because i don't I don't think like when we did the episode one of the more the the episode that triggered like the aggressive topic, like, maybe that's gonna oh you come off a little hard in that. It was about convicts, and I had to go back to the convict mentality to explain the convict mentality to you, right? Yeah. But in the intervening years, I've reached a place where, you know, they say when you're when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, the, the inverse is true too, right? Like if you're open and and you're not a hammer, not not so many nails appear, you know. So some of it's probably not to be all hippy dippy, but the intention and outward energy you put out, as well as the, the discipline and self-control you try to manage. But there's also a mixture of that too. And me and you talked about this before I'd be naive um, to not not be willing to admit the benefits I some of the benefits I came to prison with. And they were kind of they were incidental, but they worked in my favor. Right? I'm heavily'm t- tattooed from neck to nuts. You know, um, that helps. I'm ambiguously ethnic. Um, That helps. I'm not a small, like, weird, frail looking guy. You know, I was probably 170 when I came in. I'm probably 185, 190 now. But I, I had a look that definitely helped me. I think definitely if I was. Just a skinny white kid coming in, it could have been it would have been tougher. I would have had to prove myself more. So I got by on a lot of that. Like I told you, this place is there's a lot of animalistic vibe reading in here. And some of that, you know, has undoubtedly let, you know, led to that altercations with me. Well you
0: know, get, what about should we mention should we mention that um you also spent um a good bit of time uh training in MMA type of events? So you know, I feel like that would probably benefit. You know, if when you get thrown into prison, if you can already handle yourself somewhat, then that's got to be a benefit.
1: Oh yeah, I had a I had a confidence about me that I knew I could. You know, I can't imagine what the mentality would be if you if you were like in appearance wise what I just described, but you also. I, okay, so when I was at the last joint, I was at a teacher came in there. Now, he had never, he probably met two black people in his whole life. This guy's from a small town, he was a track coach. He came to prison so terrified. And this wasn't a maximum security prison, this was a level two. And I did what I could to help him, but he ran into a lot of um, obstacles where his shoes got taken, and he had to pay for them to get them back. But, and I explained everything every step of the way without interjecting myself and co-opting his problems, because he was in the cube with me. There's eight, there eight of us in the cube. And so I say, listen... If you do, I'm just going to tell you, you make the decision on your own. You don't take, you don't go do something about the person who took your shoes, and you pay for them to have them returned to you. You're putting a sign on your head, it's open season. I'm not telling you to do either, just know the consequences. So he knows the consequences, he doesn't do anything, he pays for to get his shit back. I'm in the bathroom getting my hair cut three weeks later, and he comes in there all panicking, and in front of everyone, not knowing the culture, he goes, someone took my TV, what do I do? I go, get the fuck out of here, first of all. You don't come to me, because now... If you do ever do something about it, they're going to assume I told you to go do something about it. Now, I'm going to be have a problem with you. you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, now and you're linked to it. Again.
1: Yeah, and so I said, get the fuck out of here, and then I went and talked to him later. I said, don't ever do that again, man. Use your head. You call me out there, and then we'll talk. And then I explained to him the, the circumstance again. And that's one of the moral things, right, is I could have stepped in and saved him, but it would have been a whole thing. And it would have been and, and that that's not the reason I didn't. The reason I didn't, the tipping point was that if you're not willing to stand up for yourself, it's just gonna keep happening. And I can't be with you all the time and I can't protect you. It's a teacher man a fish type shit. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh and I can't I just felt so bad for him and he'd like his eyes would well up and shit, especially when the T V was gone. And uh but it, Jesus Christ, man, what do you do? I told him, I said, you're too afraid of getting punched in the face, man. All you got to do is fight one of these guys. They're not going to beat you, especially here at that place. They're not going to beat you to death. You're going to get maybe a broken nose or something. You've never been into a fight, and he was just, well, no, not really. I'm like, oh, man. You know, so I had some benefits that I try to do my best not to take for granted, you know what I mean, about the ease of my prison because of appearance and stuff, I guess. But... Yeah, this isn't. There's nothing black and white here. The, the only way shit's black and white is if you're a slime ball and you don't give a fuck about anyone or anything, and you have and your morals are whatever's good for me in the moment. Then shit's black and white because you just do whatever the fuck you want. If you have a conscience and you actively try to grow, you're going to be met with obstacles every step of the way. And I don't always pass them. Right? I look back at shit I did um, at the beginning of my bit, and and i um, I wish I'd never done some of those sh- those things. I never would have joined an organization. You know, there's times where I made excuses to myself to get down on people or to not speak up when maybe I should have and shit like that. And so one of the things that came from this, you know, when me and you were talking, was – you're probably going to hear some episodes and instead of us holding the episodes back we'd like to just put the onus on you and, and assume you're responsible enough to go okay so this is one aspect of of one part of his prison it's not who i am yeah. you know it's not it's not all defining
0: and shit right so we're going to actively ask the listeners to just decide on their own how they want to feel about that and and if uh if an episode is a little bit too hippy dippy And, you know, they can only stomach the first five minutes. That's cool. You know, come back and, you know, the next one will probably be a little bit, uh, you know, more blood and guts. War stories. Yeah. You know. But but part of it is, too, you know,
1: if I paint a picture of only where I'm at now mentally, right, people on the outside can get a false image of this place and go, oh, everything's fine in there. Look how rehabilitated he is. Right. The institution works. (laughs) Yeah. But conversely, if I do the opposite and I only talk talk about the war stories and it's like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit who let this place manipulate him. And so I don't, I have to put both out there. And if you're a fan of chocolate cake, eat chocolate cake. And if you're a fan of vanilla, well, there's going to be vanilla there for you guys too. And instead of sheltering it to try to... to, to the chocolate eaters to pretend that there's not vanilla here and, and vice versa, I, I, I'd rather not do that. I'd rather just leave it up to you guys and put it out there. And if I seem fucking... Uh, bipolar well that's probably just an illusion because one time we're talking about convicts, and then the next time you log on there it's a whole different conversation about the positivity of meditation <laughs> and finding yourself behind bars but that's what's going on that's what that's my experience in here and, and uh we believe you're responsible enough to handle it
0: right yeah, I, yeah uh Freddy agrees, Captain Freddie. uh. I, I think we could should segue into uh some listener questions i have and i i i i think that i think they're going to work out well with the conversation in fact uh, this is uh Kelly in palm bay, and uh she uh has noted that uh through your meditations and your um i don't want to say newfound mental wellness but you, you actively you you actively um try. To stay mental, keep your mental health, you know, on the good side. You know, something that you and I didn't even think about growing up. You know, we, we didn't, didn't, we didn't know it was possible. Right. Yeah. So, due to those things, how, how has your perspective uh, of life changed for once you return to society? Well, one of the cruel slash beautiful things is.
1: And this we'll go over this. I think I covered some of this in the annoyingly positive episode, but I had a I had been put on antidepressants and shit when I was real young, I think like thirteen or fourteen and uh instead of any doctors telling me that like okay, these are gonna help you for now, but there's some things you can do to maintain mental health stability. So I didn't even know it was a possibility. I was like, oh, I have a chemical imbalance, and that's just it. Now I have my built-in crutch to do nothing and whatever. And I've come since to look at it as almost like a predisposition to diabetes, right? Are there circumstances where a diabetic has to be put on medication? Absolutely. But is it also possible through diet and discipline and exercise that they can wean themselves off of that? Yes. If there are people who need both, yes. What I've – I was put in a position – where, because of a selfish victim despair of, like, depression mentality, I ended up trying to kill myself and and, and just created a fucking shitstorm of unintended consequences that landed me in here. So I immediately swore off, like, I don't care what the fuck happens, I will never give in to that mentality again. So, okay, what's next? What do I do? How do I start figuring my brain out and what's going on? And so it's I've meditated out in the world, but I looked at meditation as like the recreational thing. I didn't realize it's like working out and that to have really good results, you need to do it every day. And so I embarked, I was put in the hole originally right after I got arrested and my whole life had fallen apart and I'd spent 17 days in a hole and between... Bouts of sobbing and just, you know, just a haze of um, just disbelief. I meditated and started to unravel some of the knots in my brain, and uh, along with a whole complex thing uh, of realizations I had, one of which is helping other people. God, it sounds so 12 stepy. But like being positive and, and God, expressing love and sharing in love and relationships and. You know, I'll always be the cynical asshole I am. But those acts You have one minute remaining. Helped me a lot, so that's one of the things
0: that has really been a big deal. And I'm gonna carry that through to the to when I get released. Okay, we're running out of time, so we're just gonna to have to uh, rifle style. Uh Kelly and Palm Bay also wants to know, uh is uh how often Mama C visits. Um, it depends on where I'm at I used to be up over the bridge in the Upper Peninsula i probably
1: get visits once every couple months I once went to eight months, months without a visit Now the corona's going, no visits for a couple months She'll be visiting soon, probably down here once every month
0: Okay, and uh, Kelly in Palm Bay also wants to wonder Or mention, uh, is there going to be a Mama C episode Where we have her on? Brilliant idea I
1: think that needs to happen, definitely People need to hear for what it's like for family members to deal with this shit and uh, I think that's a brilliant idea, Kelly from Palm Bay.
0: Yeah, thank you, Kelly, for your questions. Uh, those are some yeah. thoughtful, thoughtful questions. When you get out, you have like big plans. Like you, you're, you're, you're way more of like a carpe diem type guy now than you, than I ever remember you. You're like, yeah, glass half full, charge on. I want to do this. I'm going to do this. And you know what? I know I'm good at this, so I'm going to, you know, focus on it, and I'm going to go get it. Yeah, Bobby. So I don't know that we uh, we we ran out of time, and I feel like we kind of left that um, dangling a little bit uh, on what it's going to look like. uh, You know how your attitudes have changed towards living out here in society. Like when you get out, I think we we could answer or you could answer Kelly's question, Kelly from Palm Bay's question, a little bit better, a little bit more fuller, if we just give you know spend like five more minutes on it. Um, and I know it's going to be kind of difficult for you because you're not going to uh, – you you can't stand bragging on yourself or, you know, uh, that sort of thing. So, uh, whatevs. Well, you can still be honest, and um, and I'll help out. So, is there, is there more? Is there a different way that you're going to view society? What did she say? How has your perspective changed? Because I know you. And the whole reason why we had to tape this one is because – I know you so well that I don't want to depict you as like some monster in prison that knows all the nuances of stabbings and slashings and you know, all that type stuff. That's not you. But at the same time, I also know you're not always super uh, hippie love joy, but that's, that is something that has kind of come out lately. That it is a little bit of a change. But as far as your perspective on how you're going to operate in society, that, to me, has changed in a big way. Uh, would you like to go into that a little bit?
1: Yeah, it's changed. Yeah, it's definitely it's an understatement. It's changed so much that sometimes it's I'll hear myself talking and I'll weird myself out about it. Should we kind of set a... A backdrop of like maybe what I was like from your perspective, who I worked for several times and was fired for probably an equal (laughs) number of times, um, of uh, a little contrast maybe of what I what I was like, you know, even from a description of someone who knew me completely but and loved me and all that shit, but you know maybe wasn't so flattering. What what was your what was I before? And then it'll give me a better idea. You
0: were fun and you were you were cool, but you did you did let the the whole depression thing. Uh, You did get to, you, you, you played victim for that. You know, you would let that, uh, that that was like your allowance to play victim, which you you don't do anymore.
1: Yeah. And I was also not the most punctual or responsible. You'd you'd have
0: completely irresponsible. Uh, If, (laughs) if today you're into surfing and there was waves, you could lose a job and be like, yeah, well, there was waves. So what? Anyway. I once
1: told uh, I, mean, I got a job because I learned to
0: frame from Jeremy. I got a job out in our land after I burned
1: every bridge in uh, Central Florida, uh, that part, uh, the East Coast of Central Florida, and I got a job framing. And <laughs> and once to this was a Friday, right? I wanted a three-day weekend, so I called my boss after I'd already left the apartment I shared with my girlfriend at the time called my boss and told him my brother had just died in a car wreck, which I don't have any brothers, right? And I had to fake sad so I could get a three-day weekend off from work and then pretend the rest of my employment, which wasn't that long, that I had a dead brother. (laughs) So, you know, if that doesn't just give you a little insight into the, the fuckery I was up to, and, yeah. like, living
0: for the bump. Oh. But not, not not, scoring a whole lot of points uh, with uh, the idea of you not being a slime ball growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not- yeah. well,
1: <laughs> well, let's just flip that coin. I just want to paint a picture that, that like, that's... and Whatever. We're not going to pretend like certain things. Like, I, that's the type of dude I was. Like, I didn't give a fuck. Now, I was knee-deep in addiction and all that other shit, but I didn't give a fuck about... I, I was living, like not only assuming tomorrow wouldn't come was kind of fingers crossed hoping it wouldn't, right? And uh, I don't know. It's got to be a, an accumulation of all the shit that happened at once, but really fast after coming to prison. Now, this it didn't all happen, but really fast, my entire perspective changed. And it went in context with refusing to just give in to my mental health issues, my depression and all that shit, and also having the opportunity to get a little sobriety, a total sobriety under my feet. And um, I slowly started to feel alive again and realize, like, some of the... I don't know, the irony, so blatant shit doesn't have to be stated, but I'll go ahead and state it anyways because I'm an asshole. Uh, There was... I just realized that even in this place... You can happiness is, is can be a choice if you're paying attention. And along with that came all these innate or latent abilities I maybe I always had, I don't know. And you know, I've been super motivated to not waste any more time. And it took me losing my freedom, this is a cliche story, to realize how important fucking freedom was and how asleep I had been for my whole life. And so now it's about the first time in my life, deserving the freedom, or or, or trying to earn the freedom that I once that we're all given so freely, obviously and rightfully so, and uh, trying to live up to it and, and make up for it, and you know I'm, just, you know I've been pretty motivated since I've been in prison. I've done more with my life in prison in the last couple of years than I had my whole life. You'd probably agree.
0: Absolutely. You're super, you're hyper motivated. In fact, like once you get out, you, you have plans that are, uh, hyper focused on, uh, writing and, uh, other things, endeavors that you're going to pursue that are, uh, all positive. And, uh, and it's not something, you know, before when it came to work or career, like you would have a job, you would work, but uh, it wasn't like eh, I don't even care. Now it's like no, I'm not just going to work at you know framing or whatever. I'm going to do what I love, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it full. And it, I, if I fail at that, then I don't think I can fail at that because I'm going head in. I'm you know head strong, head head in. I'm probably saying something wrong here, uh, or you know conflating stuff. You want to help me out? Yeah, all in,
1: head strong, all in yeah yeah you can mention them both, which i like all right so yeah and uh, you know I've written books since I've been in here i uh with the help of the saint producer i've uh started a website i've gotten stuff published I've written my first pilot episode of a louis c k uh f x type show about prison, some of the funnier, darker aspects of it i've um recently started a podcast with a childhood friend, you know um I've written hundreds and hundreds of pieces um, for the blog, from everything from what it, what the shit etiquette is in prison to finding self realization, and uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what happened, but something woke up. But you know, before we decided to do any of this, you pretty witnessed probably in an annoying way me being like, okay, what's going on? And somehow the shoe is. I think you'd be willing to admit is a little bit more on the other foot. You're not quite as out of control as I was or anything by any means, anything like that. But somehow
0: I'm, I don't know. I think uh, I've been trying to light a fire under you as well, right? Right. Now you're the motivator and I'm the, the, the one that needs the motivation. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting dichotomy. And uh, I think we touched on that in episode two, uh, although I might've been, I'm sure I was thick tongued and um, slurring through it.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, so to answer Kelly's question is, you know, every day while I'm in, you know, I used to look at probably before I'd come to prison, if you asked me about prison, I'd look at this as like a thing to get through, right? Like, a just let's just get through this as fast as possible. I look at this as uh, an opportunity, an opportunity that I can't waste. And, you know, uh, there's this Roman orator named uh, Seneca, Lucius Seneca, who wrote this little short little pamphlet book called On the Shortness of Time. And it's beautiful. It goes on to to say how frivolous human beings are with the one non-renewable resource and how we willfully give it away to gluttony or leisure or whatever the fuck it is, how very few people are actually appreciative and honoring the limited amount of time you have on this planet. And it took me a sentence of 12 years in prison and blowing through, uh, sleepwalking through a lot of my life to realize it. But even if I only get a year, even if I fucking die in here, I'll at least have been alive for a little while, and, and cognizant, and, and aware, and doing what I can do to make the most of it. And so, my whole perspective has shifted, and I uh, shifted, and uh, I hope to get the chance to uh, do something with it out there, to talk to people about depression, to talk to people about addiction, to talk about prison reform, to um, get these books, you know, finalize getting these books published, and the show, put all everything, you know, and so. My my perspective has changed a lot, and I once, you know, i fill out um, appeals, hoping I'd get some time back, and then even the illusion that one day good time's going to come back, which is a perpetual rumor in Michigan, and instead of looking at it like, oh, fingers crossed one day, now I look at it like, if, if it doesn't happen, then that's what's meant to happen, Then I'm supposed to be in here for these next five years, and it's fucking nose to the grindstone. Like let's go. What five five and a half years? That's all I got left.
0: Oh shit! Let's get to it. Let's get to work. What are we doing? Are we recording today? If not, I got to go write something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's great. And also, I should uh, let the listeners know that I have read Bobby's first novel, and uh, Pure Fire. Hey, I'm giving you the wrap sign, and I like let's wrap it up. But I but we can't see each other, so. Okay, yeah, that works too. Just saying it works. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all right, okay. all right. Well, we let's uh, we'll bounce out of this and um, and uh, yeah. we're gonna wrap it up here. Yeah.
1: Ariva Derci from uh, the Prison Industrial Complex.
0: Pumpkin and kisses. And Aloha. Yeah. All that. Yep. Yeah.
1: Hi, everybody. Mama C here. For the complete library, full episodes, and bonus content, and mainly to support this cause visit Notes from the Pen on Patreon. To learn more about Bobby and prison reform, visit our website, notesfromthepen.com. And follow us on Twitter to stay current. This has been another Notes from the Pen production.